0: Thank you. Once again, I'm always amazed how many talented folks there are in this church. Uh, You guys, uh, do you realize there's some churches on Sunday morning, they can't find anybody to do any worship and lead worship, and just person after person demonstrates such extreme talent in this church. You are a blessed congregation. We are a blessed congregation, and uh, that is a good time to say amen. Uh, We are blessed. We're going to begin. Stand with me, Will. If if Dave, if you can throw the responsive reading, uh, the the Apostles' Creed, and um, I'm going to read it on the back wall, and you're going to read it on the on the this wall, the front wall, and we're going to read this together. Are you ready? Can we do this? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, bless this service today. Uh, May we truly um, not only believe these things, but live these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I thought I'd do something a little bit different and and, uh, begin the service with a responsive reading. Uh, I like responsive reading. You guys like responsive readings? Okay, nobody but me like responsive readings. But you know what that means? You get to learn to like responsive readings every once in a while. Uh, I think it's a good thing every once in a while just to stand and, and repeat something together. I, I don't like them every week, but I think, and I'm not going to trip on this cord. I, I think every once in a while we should do those kind of things. And particularly when you talk about like the Apostles' Creed. These these are creeds that have been in existence for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And churches have lived by these creeds and, and have repeated these creeds. And, and so you join the universal church in in. And setting some, some parameters to, to basic beliefs, and the Apostles' Creed is one of those, and you know, central in the Apostles' Creed is, is, is Jesus and this ideal of Jesus becoming flesh and, and Jesus being crucified and, and Jesus being raised from the dead, and, and as we've been in this series, Jesus Is, and ordinary people following Jesus, but we've been talking about Jesus Is, we're, we're talking about essential things. You know, there's, there's a lot of essential things. I, I was working on a lawnmower one time, and that is a, da- whenever you hear that I am working on anything, that is a dangerous thing. But I was working on a riding mower, and, and, and I did something, I, I can't remember what it was, but but I got this thing running, and uh, the motor running, but I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, it sounded great, I'd sit on it, but it wouldn't move anywhere. And, and so finally I I, I took the wheels apart again and in and, and a lawnmower, there's like a pin that's like this big that allows the axle. Does any of you guys out there ever deal with that? That lets that axle engage with, with the wheel. And, and because I didn't have that little pin in there, the the mower wouldn't go anywhere. And I gotta tell you, a mower that doesn't go anywhere isn't any good. An essential piece. And you know that was essential to the mower having movement and cutting grass you know we 've all experienced that in some way or another it 's either you 've put together a child 's toy on 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 christmas and and, and they 've opened it up and it 's all falling apart and then you find the missing screw in the box or or you order something or you anybody ever buy something I did this last year. I bought a a lateral file and the screws to put it together were in the box. it didn 't work. you know they wouldn 't just stand together. they were essential essential pieces that make something functional. so sometimes when we talk about something essential it 's people you know in families you could, you could have essential family members my, my dad 's family when his grandfather when his father passed away that was the end of family gatherings. Even though his mother was alive, th- th- his grandfather seemed to be the glue that held the family together. And, and when she, he was no longer around, th- then there was no longer any, you know, we, we went and saw grandma, but no big family gatherings. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? That once that essential person in the family is gone, it seems like they're the glue, they're essential. You, you see it in organizations. Uh, th- this past week, Apple just introduced, I think, iPhone 6 and, and a bunch of other things. And when they introduced them, I think their stock actually went down. Uh, you know, you know it, it almost seems with Apple Computer, if Steve Jobs is not part of the mix, they're, they're not going to make it. You know, Steve Jobs uh, built Apple, and then they had some problems, and, and he was fired. And, and Apple, at one point, was like 5% of the market less than five percent of the market and, and then Steve Jobs maneuvered himself back into control and, and after that you had the iPod and the uh, the iPad and the iPhone. If you've got an iPhone, raise your hand. <laughs> and and all of a sudden Apple's booming and now Steve Jobs is di- dead and, and once again Apple is kind of whew, plummeting. You know essential pieces. Essential essential people you know that there's things that are essential and there's people that are essential and i want you to know that jesus is essential to our faith and that's not a time to say amen, that's a time you say duh pastor you know jesus is essential and you know it's basic and you know it's 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 we're talking about who we are, and and it's essential, and, you know, it's important to start at the beginning, and, and we say Jesus is essential to our faith. It's important to understand that if we're going to be ordinary people following Jesus. See, basics are important. They matter. Anybody ever heard the story of Vince Lombardi? I don't know the year. Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, and And he he had a preseason practice, and he began the preseason practice holding up the football and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) Now the legend is that Paul Horning, the the quarterback, responded, Coach, can you slow down a little bit? (laughs) But it's important to start with essential, basic things. And Jesus is essential. Jesus is the beginning and the end of our faith. Without Jesus, this gathering would not be possible. Without Jesus, our faith would be in vain. Now, Jesus says this about himself. He says, this is Jesus' words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now this is what the, the Gospels say that Jesus says. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Heavenly Father but through me. I am it. I am essential. If you're going to live this life, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to make it, it begins and it ends with me. Now you see this conveyed in the New Testament. Paul writes in Colossians this about Jesus. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. And the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Those are pretty strong words, right? In Revelation, John has this vision of Jesus on Patmos. And, and, and in, this, in this Revelation, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. So Jesus is essential. You know, if we're going to have faith, if, if we're going to be believers, if we're going to be ordinary people following Jesus, then, then Jesus is essential. You know what a hinge pin is? Anybody know what a hinge pin is? We have that picture, Dave? A, a hinge pin. This is a hinge pin. So, no, that's that, that's that nail that goes in my dory thing, right? Um, it's a hinge pin. A hinge pin is a pin that sets in a joint so that the joint can turn. And, and you've all, who's heard the, the, the phrase hinge pin and not really known what it is? Uh, you know, a hinge pin sits in a joint and allows a turn. And there's things that are in history that, that we use the phrase in history, oh, well, that was a hinge pin in history because history turned. You know, D-Day was a hinge pin. Because World War II turned on D-Day. Gettysburg was a hinge pin because the fate of the nation during the Civil War turned on Gettysburg. Valley Forge, I'm giving you guys a history lesson, say oh thank you so much, Pastor. Valley Forge was a hinge pin because the fate of the Revolutionary War turned on that event. Jesus is essential to our faith, and the physical resurrection of Jesus is the hinge pin of all history. The resurrection, all history, all history turns on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it changes everything. The importance of the physical resurrection of Jesus to the early church cannot be overstated. And if it was important to the early church, shouldn't it be important to us? Somebody say amen. See, I said I wouldn't be needy anymore, but you guys, we got to do something. You guys look like you're falling asleep, okay? Let's, I don't have any good jokes this morning, so let's just laugh to get it out of our system, okay? You ready? One, two, three. Oh, man, that's weak. All right, let's get back to it. Now, now I feel much better. That The physical resurrection of Jesus is central to the New Testament. Uh, the, the Gospels make a big deal. It's, it's significant. The Gospels emphasize and sometimes almost overemphasize the physical resurrection of Jesus. You know, that's why John says, you know, we have seen and we have touched this resurrected Jesus. This is why Jesus in the gospel accounts, it, you know, why else would the gospel accounts talk about somebody eating a meal? I mean, it's like, the you know, the most boring thing people do, right? You know, you know you're know telling somebody's history, and so well, they sit down and they ate. Oh, well, great. Everybody sits down and eats. But the gospels include stuff like that after the resurrection. They include Jesus fixing a meal and eating with the disciples. It includes Jesus on the amazing road breaking bread there's all these physical things that Jesus does Jesus says "You know, I want you to reach in and I want you to feel where I've been pierced I want you to touch the nail scars in my hand all these things that emphasize after the resurrection of Jesus this physical resurrection this was not just a spiritual resurrection it was a physical resurrection of Jesus And that is significant. You know, last week we talked about how, how when Jesus physically resurrected from the dead, that, that gives us hope that there can be physical resurrections in our life. And, and, and there's this, there's the ideal and there's the hope of heaven, but I believe Jesus wants us to come alive in this place right now. I've heard this quote, and I I probably won't get it exactly. David Crowder says it all the time, but I think it's Ravi Zacharias, is that how you say his name? That Jesus didn't come to make good people or bad people good. He came to make dead people live. (laughs) I don't know, that gives me chills every time I think about it. Jesus has come to bring us life. Not just life eternal, but life in the here and now. Now, don't, Don't mishear me. There's a heaven to come, and there's a, a, a hell to shine, and there's you know there's eternity. But I believe God wants us to live. Now I have come that they might have life. It's not just punching a ticket to heaven, and the physical resurrection of Jesus is significant. That the apostles, they begin to preach in the book of Acts and the central ideal is Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is alive. In the beginning of the book of Acts, this Physical Jesus is ascended into heaven in in physical form. And it's significant because it tells us that Jesus, this is not a past tense event. Jesus was not resurrected. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is alive. And it changes everything. It changes religion to relationship. And next week we're going to talk about that. But in in Acts, in the sermons, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, the the center of this, center of it is this Jesus is resurrected. You know that they heal a lame man and, and, and the crowds gather around, and it's Peter and John, and the center of it is this Jesus is resurrected. You know, they're thrown before the Sanhedrin, and, and, and they, they're, they're being persecuted and, and, and prosecuted. And the center of their, their testimony and their defense, it's simple. Jesus is resurrected. You know, Paul's on Mars Hill, and he's reasoning with Greeks who have no idea about who, who Jesus is. And the center of his message is, Jesus is resurrected. It's the center, it's the hinge pin, it's what gives meaning to Jesus, it's the cross and the resurrection. Jesus is alive. We are people who serve a risen Savior. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-22, and there's a lot of verses here, And so I'm going to read this to you. You can read along if you want. I believe I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation since it's so long. I passed on to you what was most important and what has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I have been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I'm the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results, for I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, and it was not that I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you, have, you already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there's no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And we apostles would be all lying about God, for we said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in this world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through through a man. Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. It's the sinner. This is the first letter to Corinthians. This is probably the earliest Christian writing, the oldest New Testament book. Before anything else is written, Paul is emphasizing the importance of the resurrection. If it's not for the resurrection, Paul says, then we should be pitied because what we're doing really doesn't make any sense. So where does that leave us? The physical resurrection of Jesus is the center of our hope. It's very center. You know, if Jesus is the center of our faith, then the center of our hope is this this hope, this reality of the resurrection. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons. The, The first is this, that the physical resurrection of Jesus confirms his identity. It says... Jesus is who he said he was. That the physical resurrection says that that this is the Messiah. The physical resurrection says this individual was uniquely connected with his heavenly father. The physical resurrection says God was at work in his life. And the second thing is this. Jesus overcame sin and death through his fiscal resurrection. He who knew no sin bore our sin and he overcame. He who was eternal bore mortality and died and overcame the grave. And this is the good news. See, this is where it connects. Since Jesus overcame, we can overcome. Since Jesus overcame sin in the grave, we have the hope that we can overcome sin of the grave. Because of the resurrection, we have hope in every circumstance. You know, this is the blessing of being a pastor. The blessing of being a pastor, you know, I practice law and there were circumstances where they were going to lose that stinking case. And there wasn't anything I can do about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe if they got a better lawyer, they could, maybe a Perry Mason would have been real. But there's circumstances, you know, you know that in your job that you can't do anything about. But, you know, as a pastor, there's no circumstance that I can't say you're going to win. <laughs> because Christ has overcome, you can overcome Even in the midst of death, even in a death room, even in sorrow, even in sickness, I I had this great opportunity, and you had this great privilege of presenting this gospel of overcoming whatever. No matter the circumstance you're going through this morning, because of the resurrection, you can have hope. Now in Romans 5 Paul Paul talks about trials and perseverance and and persecutions and being persistent. And and at the end of it, he says, you know, you can have hope because of these things. And hope doesn't disappoint. There's a lot of things in this world that will disappoint you. But Paul writes, you know, hope's not going to disappoint you. If, If your hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your hope will stand eternal. Maxwell has a poem that I, I put in your, um, in your bulletin insert. It says, hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when no one else is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one else is helping. Hope endures hardship when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give, hope, give when no one is sharing. Hope brings the victory when no one is winning. I like that. You know, hope changes our life. It changes our perspective. And and because of the resurrection, we have this great hope. So the question for you this morning is, what will you do with the resurrection? It, It really determines what you'll do with Jesus. I read this week, an author suggested that it's not just where you're heading that makes a difference, but it's where you begin in a journey that makes a difference. And when we begin with Jesus, if we begin with the resurrection, it changes how we approach Him. It changes how we receive Him. What we do with His message. When our faith begins with the resurrection, it makes a difference. Let me ask you: Have have you accepted that Jesus is truly alive? or just going through the motions. Folks, it's it's possible just to go through the motions of church. You know, we can learn all the right buzzwords, all the right things to say, but, but there's no present risenness is the language you hear theologians use. The present risenness of Christ. Is he present and risen in your life? Is what you do cure religious activity, or is there this thriving relationship with a risen Savior? See, see Jesus didn't come to establish religion. He came to establish relationship. He, he came to live in your heart. He came so that you could pray. You know, and one of the marks of, of, of a, and I don't want to put guilt trip on anybody, but I think this is true. One of the marks of a a religious connection to Jesus as opposed to a relational connection to Jesus is this drudgery of prayer, that prayer becomes almost something I have to do. But if prayer is a conversation with your heavenly Father, with your heavenly brother, with the Holy Spirit, if prayer is conversation, shouldn't it flow naturally from us? Everybody's quiet today, aren't you? Have you accepted that Jesus is alive? Next week we'll talk more about relationship, but are you living in relationship or are you living by religion? Let me ask you this: Are there areas in, in your life that need resurrection power? You know, all these things we've talked about—death and sickness and uh, you know, relationship. You know, there's physical death. There's financial death, there's relational death, you know, there's all sorts of ways that death is expressed in, in our world and in our lives. Some of you have family members or friends that, that you're on the outs with, and it's, it's in a way a death, and, and Jesus, you know, Paul says, I, I, I want the power of the resurrection to be at work in my life. I believe God wants the power of the resurrection to be at work in your relationships. Does that mean that every relationship will be restored? Maybe not. But from your end, it could be. You know, you could be loving someone in the way that God wants you to love them, whether they love you back or not. See, love's not about give or take. Love's about give, and so the power of the resurrection allows us to live these lives that, that regardless of what we're going through, the power of Christ, the grace of Christ, the love of Christ can flow through me regardless of what anyone else does. Some of you may be dealing with sickness or financial issues or relational issues. And frankly, you need a new hope and you need the hope of the resurrection. If death does not have the final say in my life, what priorities need to be changed? You know, there's more than this. There's more than this life. And and can we be honest, in our culture, a lot of what we do is geared about winning and losing. That's why in some people's life, conflict is never let go of, because we're all striving towards the win, and until we get the win we won't let go and and that's why we're, we're we're so so often you know we strive for for having enough and 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 making having the right image and and living in the right house and driving the right car and wearing the right clothes and and you know, having the right job and having the right status. And all these things are things you're striving for because the only thing that matters is this life. And the resurrection says, no, there's more than this life. God can redeem this life and he can shine through this life, but we're living for something beyond here. Are there things that if really that was the priority, if the resurrection was the priority, and there's something more than, than what we see and what we experience, if there's something more, is your priorities, would they be shifted at all? Stand with me, if you will. We're going to do what we do on most Sunday mornings here at the close of a service. <laughs> I'm going to give you time to pray. So, Pastor. And, of course, we're going to do, if Pastor Christie will come in this service and stand over here, uh, we're, we're going to continue to do our full service and self-service altars. okay? This is self-serve if you just want to come and pray, and this is full-serve. Uh, and I'm going to ask Mike to come and play. I'm just going to let the Spirit work. If, if, if you need to talk to God today, if there's anything on your heart, maybe it's something I've talked about, maybe, maybe you just have a need and you just want to uh, meet with, with Jesus at an altar. I, I'm going to invite you to come. And we'll pray with you, then we're just going to pause for a few moments. Lord, help us to be obedient to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. I'm wondering is is there um, anybody would just raise your hand nobody's looking around just me just just me you'd say pastor it's been dry and, and I need a fresh touch I'm I'm not going to ask you to do anything else I just ask you to lift your hand lift it real quietly here quickly I see that hand I see those hands I see that hand I see that hand All right I want everyone just to sit now and, and, and we're going to take a couple minutes in prayer, then I'm going to close this in prayer. Our heavenly Father, um, we love you, and we're thankful for the resurrection. Lord, as I've, um I've even sat here myself on the stage in the quiet. I'm aware of how uncomfortable the quiet can be. Lord, sometimes I believe quiet's uncomfortable because we're left just with ourselves. So Lord, right now in, in these few moments of prayer, if your spirit has prompted and moved, may we respond to you Lord I confess in my life that there's been times that I've went through the motions and I don't believe that's what you want Lord you're calling us to this vibrant relationship with you this living conversation with you help us not to be satisfied with lesser things lord we believe that the resurrection is the center of our hope it's the hinge pin of history all of our lives turn on a physically resurrected jesus because he lives we can live because he overcame we can overcome So help us, Lord, to live with that hope. May it it change our priorities. May it change what we say is important and what we live as important. Lord, we don't have to win. But Lord, we can trust you. You know, I'm reminded, Lord, as I even speak and pray, I have a, another sermon by another pastor whose simple point was, you don't have to live. And so, Lord, we don't have to win. We don't have to live because we have hope in you. Give us the ability, Lord, to let go of those things that hinder us, that hold us back. Give us the ability to cling tightly to your resurrection. And may we be people of hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.